worst rapper to ever spit on an open mic, worst rapper to ever get up so many likes, worst rapper to ever blow up an overnight, and when my D's swell, my D12 friends, but Obi Trice. Sage words there from Childish Gambino. Astrid, is Metal Gear Survive childish? Yes. Great. Okay, Reed, is Metal Gear Survive uh, Gambino? At first I was afraid. I was petrified. I thought I could never keep my I don't know any of the other lyrics. Series. I thought I could never keep my stealth action series going without Kojima by my side. Nice. Because <laughs> nice. I spent so many nights. What I like about uh, the intros to our show is that they're not strained. And they're not like awkward and, and weird and, and <laughs> struggling. I, yeah. I really like the sort of naturalism and the easy flow. Kind of like Letterman. <laughs> or something like that, you know, really breezy. Yeah, the show is a lot like uh, it is a lot like Letterman. Yeah. In the, in the sense in that, that uh, the, in that you're you're an asshole. The, yeah, <laughs> the, what I'm trying to the say. audience <laughs> figures are really dwindling. Yeah. Ah, oh, right. So we're back down for another trawl along video game lane. This is Bullet Points. I'm one of the hosts, Ed Smith. I'm joined by another one of the hosts, Reed McCarter. Hey. And another one of the hosts, Astrid Budgore. Hello. You're always so polite, do you know that? I go, I go Reed McCarter, and he's like, Mur. <laughs> and then I'm like, Mur. and then you're just like, hi. I have to yeah. represent my country <laughs> it's, with it's dignity. Like they- the dignity that it deserves, frankly. From sea to shining sea. Yeah. It's, it's like they always say Americans are the most polite country in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. We exactly. all know that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, this week we're talking about Metal Gear Survive. It's mm. out now. It's made by Konami, not Kojima Productions, like the other five, well, no, there's more than that, isn't there? I don't know how many Metal Gear games there are in total when you count all the spin-offs and tangents yeah. and things, but there's a lot, and this is the first one that's not got any involvement. Is it the first one that's not got any involvement from him, Hideo Kojima? Or did did Rising Revengeance have nothing to do with him? I think he was, like, he... producing that or something. Okay. Right? Yeah, I think so. I'm just gonna yeah. say that. Like maybe, uh, having... It's definitely, it, it's the first Metal Gear game since his kind of public departure. Yeah, there you go from the series and from the company and as such finds the series on somewhat different ground rather than a stealth game or a sensible stealth game this is more of a shooter but as the name would connote with survival elements you are cast as a nameless grunt sent to the underworldish land of is it dite d-i-t-e dite yeah dite thank you right? dite yeah dite and uh, you must fight zombified soldiers who have crystals instead of heads and watch your supplies and resources and generally try to both survive and uh, Metal Gear. <laughs> um, it's long. Uh-huh. And it's one game that I think, on its own, that game, I don't have much to... I, you know, I don't have like a, a big passion to discuss Metal Gear Survive specifically, but it opens a lot of kind of conversational doors and sort of embodies and crystallizes and unifies maybe uh, a few bigger themes and questions around games that I've had for for some yeah. number of years. I feel like the two of you 
uh, feel somewhat the same. Astrid, am I barking <coughs> at the right tree? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not much of like a an auteurist in any sense. And I think that the most interesting part of Metal Gear Survive, as someone who isn't even that acquainted with the Metal Gear series, is sort of the remnants of like the former Metal Gear identity, which is like really, from my experience having played like Metal Gear Solid Five and like three quarters of the first game at this point, uh, it's like very baroque and like very mm-hmm. referential and self-referential and so there's um sort of the debris of that personality in metal gear survive like he's uh detail if i'm remembering correctly is like the lowest couple of levels of hell in the divine comedy it's is the city correct? of it's the city of dis okay. uh, so, so i think it's like a few circles yeah i feel like it's the like i don't know there's nine right yeah, this is I bad. read the Inferno again like a few <laughs> years ago. Astrid, what kind of goth are you? You don't know your cir- your circles of hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm falling down here. But it is like the lowest levels of hell, basically. Mm. Um, and that is sort of a very Hideo Kojima reference. But also in this game, it's also just really the name of the place. It's like sort of just an ornament. And well, yeah, and the AI is named Virgil, too. Oh, yeah, right? okay, yeah. There's uh, <laughs> some even more uh, blatant references. But the Metal Gear Survive is not exactly uh, a riff on the Divine Comedy or anything. Like, I think maybe Bayonetta has more to do with the Dante than <laughs> this game does. But that that idea is, like, very characteristic <coughs> of these games. But when you actually sit down with Metal Gear Survive, it's not quite as... Uh, I don't know. It doesn't have that much personality, despite think, all that. I think that it's it's references to hell and afterlife and sort of penance and guilt and the war dead and things are yeah, comparatively a, inarticulate to some right. of the earlier games. I mean, uh, we were discussing, I think, before we started recording, um, an article written by Julie Muncy, friend of the show, and she discusses how... And it's true how Metal Gear Survive stands out from its predecessors because the writing feels kind of backgrounded and it's not a game that, you know, Astrid, you said Baroque. And, yeah, I mean, you might add, like, turgid, verbose, um, you know, bilious, overlong, etc. Yeah. to some of the other Metal Gear games. And Metal Gear Survive is comparatively sort of tight-lipped. But yeah. I feel like almost an unfortunate product of that oh, I don't know unfortunate product but basically it doesn't interest me when it comes to those themes of isn't war terrible like some of the other games did I think the first one nailed that stuff for me and since yeah. then they've been repeating themselves in fact the fifth one as well if, if Metal Gear Survive you know a, a lot has been talked about how it opens on the destruction of Big Boss's base and it's all about traipsing through the kind of remnants of Big Boss well the fifth game I think did that where you're playing as this sort of doppelganger and it's about his not being able to live up to his own legend and this kind of stuff uh-huh. uh, anyway sorry I'm rambling Reed mm-hmm. some thoughts if you would well, I think there's like <laughs> thank you I will yeah. there there are kind of I, I think 
you both already touched on big things from this, but I, th- I think about this game, and I, I like Metal Gear Solid a lot. It's sort of like, except for the Phantom Pain, I think is is just like sort of a tragic misstep in a, in a lot of ways. I think it could have it comes so close to being something better than yeah than it is, but I think it's sort of. Uh, inarticulate in a way that a lot of people will go to bat for is saying it's intentional and i think it's it's just sort of like stylistically um incoherent yeah mm. not incoherent messy like uh, anyway whatever we can well, always talk about the phantom pain yeah another time. i do think the phantom pain the way that game is structured and everything sort of uh maybe uh presages metal gear survive in the way it plays. I mean, obviously, it's the same engine. Yeah, it does. But Phantom it Pain does. has that sort of, like, uh, open-world, collectible... That stuff is definitely the basis of Survive. I will say, playing Survive made me want to play Phantom Pain again. Yeah. Because it's a much better <laughs> version. It's it's somehow, like, a tighter version of this game. Yeah, I even agree. Though it's, like, it, it, its flaws um somehow appear like you know th- this game in retrospect makes the phantom pain look like a fucking masterpiece yeah. um anyway but i i think there's there's sort of like two different ways to to look at this game i think on one hand you can look at it as you know the latest metal gear game and i think in that context it's sort of a failure um i i think a, a lot of the stuff is almost makes it worse that kind of stuff you were talking about astrid where it's like uh you know the the dante references Mm -hmm. and then they're just brought up but there's no there's there's nothing to them they're just there it's just sort of saying hey look you know here's something i i mean you can you'd have to really go far with this game to redeem some of this stuff and and to take it at face value as this being this like purgatorial experience or not purgatorial but like Mm-hmm. You know this this punishment that was the, uh, the soldiers going through. Was a Sharon corpse is like a team of oh, soldiers yeah, this... in this game. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, like it's it's all just set dress, and it's like the things too at the beginning. You have, um, you know, this. It's almost like self conscious. Like the the first hour of the game is cutscene after cutscene, yeah. and uh, you know long mission briefings where they're saying. Uh, your soldier who you create lost uh, part of their arm through this wormhole and they have this disease and like we grafted an arm onto you and, and you're thinking oh you know this is like a good old fashioned like Metal Gear um, like disfigurement stuff and and everything and uh, an amputation and everything and then they're you know saying that this this is all based in this is coming about because of like an incident that happened during the Vietnam war and yeah, they're showing yeah. like archival footage <laughs> and you're like, Oh yeah, this is like super metal gear. Um, and they're introducing these like sort of off kilter characters and stuff. Um, like yeah. your mission handler, good luck. And, and then it just, that stops, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> and, and, and then it's just, you're in this world and it's just go and do this shit over and over. And even like the thin amount of, personality the game has like from conversations and these audio tapes you pick up and everything that just stops at a certain point and then comes back toward the end um yeah it's very much uh they just drop you into the game portion at a certain point and yeah that's where i sort of lost interest 
um, because of the specific genre that this game is like trying to hop into, which is very popular at the moment. I should add. Um. Yeah. Sorry, you like cut out there for half a second. So. Oh. Uh, I'm scared yeah. that the survival game stuff I think is not interesting. Uh, yeah, like th- that was the like the that was like the second thing I was gonna say with that is so even if you don't look at it as a Metal Gear game and just say well you know how is this thing just as its own thing you know divorced from the legacy of these other games you know cut away Kojima and all the rest yeah. and it's just not a good game <laughs> like it it feels okay for the first little bit because the controls I think are really sort of like snappy mm-hmm. and but that doesn't get you super far because they're... No. Um, I think these... The um, the survival game genre is sort of one of my least favorite, if I was, like, asked, like, to, like, rank types of video games. Like, the kind where you go collect, like, a hundred different things so you can make, like, a soup or whatever is pretty much near the bottom. I, that stuff was sort of... I think that Zelda game for the Switch makes it feel like slightly more meaningful like um there's a little personality to it but it's just never something that interests me even in the last of us like Mm -hmm. collecting all the goodies so you can make something is pretty pointless like it's something you're always going to make so they make you go through this extra step to make it that just feels like totally extraneous I, I, I'm going to lead us on a bit of a goose chase here because I'm <laughs> curious as to why or, you know, postulating why survival games and survival mechanics have swelled in popularity and yeah. in f- critical favour and commercial favour over the past few years. I'm, I'm really intrigued by them because I'm, like you Astrid, I, I find them tedious and I, I find them they, they, they're sort of antithetical to me, survival mechanics, because I mean, even that term is oxymoronic survival mechanics you know the, the idea that something that's supposed to be visceral and emotive and sort of experiential and dial back and raw yeah. is being measured by numbers and yeah. very sort of hard quantity and yeah. bars and gauges and meters and things <laughs> you know it's the, the, the first instance of it I can remember that was really jarring to me was in Daisy and it was you got shot and all of a sudden this little bar would appear that you're you're bleeding and you had to go and find a patch and put it on to get rid of the sort of bleeding effect or maybe even in Metal Gear Solid 3 I remember it being quite novel back then where you yeah. get yeah. some sort of injury and you'd have to go into the main menu and apply you know <laughs> the right medicines to the right part of your body and things like that but even then it, it felt very sort of rigid and, and inhuman and more like you're kind of maintaining a machine as opposed to doing something that involved physical pain or yeah concern or, or trauma in the way that the word survival perhaps connotes and I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to why I mean my, my, my hypothesis and it's, it's kind of pejorative and, and unfair and too general but it's, it's essentially that it, it's a way not a way that makes it sound a little too conscious but it's it, it lends games or these particular games it lends them a kind of realistic credibility it's, it, it's like this is this is a down and dirty and we're, we're really dealing with you know humanity kind of face value sort of game we're, we're not sugarcoating it and we're, we're kind of documentarian and true 
I think that's the, the key thing about survival mechanics, or one of the things that they're trying to get to is this sense of authenticity and truth, not just in the sense of physical actions, but in, you know, it, it, it extends out to the characters. We're going to show you characters who bleed, i.e. they're more human. We're going to show you a yeah. world that's cruel, i.e. like our own reality, and so on and so on. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons that survival mechanics have, have sort of proliferated, is because there's a general push among video games or video game culture, again, I'm generalizing, but there's a general push towards we, we want to be more truthful, we want to be more authentic, we want to represent more what's actually going on out there. And I think survival mechanics sort of do that vicariously. That's my quite long spiel. I think that's fair. I think that's the impetus behind, like, the games like, um, what is it, the Tomb Raider reboot and The Last of Us and Far Cry, where they sort of, like, graft mechanics from this genre onto a third person or first person shooter and it sort of gives it that halfway sort of straddling between the two where you're like in Tomb Raider you're never really surviving you're sort of just picking shit up but mm. it it feels very similar like I think the overall popularity is probably I've never actually played Minecraft but Minecraft is a survival game right yeah, to yeah. a greater or lesser extent, yeah. Um, it can certainly be played like that. Yeah, and sort of the... I feel like the common thread between these kinds of games is like the resource gathering and the resource hoarding and the managing that stuff, which, um, I don't know, that's just not compelling to me. I think that game, The Long Dark, is like one of the more successful survival games because it has like a really strong sense of place obviously it's um very set in like the i think canadian wilderness maybe mm. um, yeah the uh the canadian wilderness yeah reed knows all about this um that's why he's broadcasting from <laughs> <right now. laughs> just there's toronto montreal and then just <laughs> <laughs> but i think that game feels like sort of credible as like a it like skirts the simulation as opposed to just like a survival game like there's a lot of other stuff going on besides managing your body and stuff which um ironically is one of the things we praised about metro mm. was sort of the parceling out of physical functions into different mechanics and maybe well, that gonna... is a survival element in that game i don't know well, i was gonna say i think like this is a big topic so yeah I, I don't know, I was thinking about lots of different things, but I don't think the idea of these survival mechanics are bad, per se, mm. you know? Um, Ed mentions DayZ, and I was thinking of that. I, I haven't played that. Um, I think I started playing the ones that came out. That was sort of the first, like, big, like, hey, this is realistic. Yeah. You're in here, like... And, and I think so you have things like bleeding and hunger and thirst and stuff. And that kind of makes sense in, in the context of here's this space we're throwing you in. And it's just like this playground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like <laughs> like monstrous <laughs> homicidal playground. <laughs> but, but, you know, the idea is you're going to start off. You're not going to have anything. And you're going to see how well you can do. And these are real people who are around as well. Right. And that's compelling, you know, just the idea of let's just 
build all these systems and try to have as many of them as we can without the whole thing just like falling apart into like dwarf fortress like simulator yeah um complete like devote your life to this kind of thing um and and that's kind of interesting right and then it got oversaturated with all those games like there was a period of time where i think it was especially on pc stuff where it was just Mm -hmm. constant it was just like here's another game a survival game like one after the other after Mm -hmm. the other yeah and then only a few of them have kind of like made it through and the long dark i think is one that the forest stuck out yeah there's the forest rust uh don't starve obviously terraria Mm -hmm. yeah there's probably one called like survive survive yeah i was just gonna say there's a there's a game called how to survive yeah that's that's a (laughs) good seo name seven days to die is that another one that's yep (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like it should. Be. I mean, it would be. Anyway, I there was like the zombie thing. Yeah. Zombies there was one and where you could like survival mechanics go hand in hand. Mm. There's that one with the dinosaurs. Oh, Ark. Ark. Yeah. Oh, Apparently, yeah. Ark is huge, and it's like one of those like invisibly huge games where like a ton of people are playing it, but it's not like yeah, because it's got dinosaurs. Critics are writing about. Yeah. It's not what well, the ivory tower are... is interested in. Yeah, we're oh, coastal elites. <laughs> The glare from the neon banking towers next to my yeah. penthouse condo uh, yeah, <coughs> don't allow me to play survival yeah. games. <laughs> um, is a player, whatever the hell, PUBG, is that a survival game or is that no. like a mutation of. Yeah, okay, it's sort of yeah, no. a variation. Yeah. On them, yeah. yeah, there's no. I feel like that's there's no, um, the newest. Uh, mutation in the dna of the survival game is like taking out all the frippery and it's like just kill each other all the boring yeah. shit yeah. yeah just just get right to the just the terror yeah that's what you want um christ what was i even talking about this is good for a podcast just to <laughs> <laughs> um well no so i think you know and then there was this big explosion of of all these kind of games and then i think what happens in games i don't want to overgeneralize but these trends come in and it's like they're inescapable it's like like a like an avalanche coming down from like kilometers away and you're just like you're like great this is our next couple years um and it gets sort of like absorbed like a big katamari rolling around and then you have this stuff and people try to integrate it into their own ideas so then you have stuff like you know zelda or something yeah where maybe it works a little bit better that's a whole other conversation um but then you also have it in just like now it's just part of every game crafting that's the thing and then you saw like like the destiny effect and borderlands and everything where now everything has like loot which is just like the most (laughs) (laughs) i think we talked about it on the destiny podcast just just like the default game feature yeah it's just it's in there now every game is an open world loot based rpg system fucking nightmare um and uh and so i think it's like easy to just to look at it in the same way as you can be like open world games enough you know crafting enough loot enough but it doesn't mean any of these things except for maybe loot which is repugnant um (laughs) which i will not defend right now that viewpoint um i think all these things are you know tools to be used for other things like you can make something with the long dark and maybe that resounds with people more because 
the premise is more applicable of being like oh this plane crashed you're in uh uh the uh western hemisphere wilderness and you're just trying to survive and so of course you need to like protect yourself from wind chill and yeah and drink and you know it, it's part and parcel of that and i think you know metal gear kind of has like the other has always had bits of this throughout the series where it's been just enough to kind of figure it out where you know snake can get a cold in in metal gear one and then he sneezes and it alerts guards until you find the right thing and just you know all these little things um you know four has like these some of the only things that really stick out from that game over time to me are things like uh, his back aches because he's old now and so you know he'll he'll give out his position because he needs to like straighten up a little bit and kind of like like it just like stuff like that and i think that stuff is great yeah and, like in in the sense of like the metro thing of like these are things that don't need to be there that are just sort of like adding characterization to things there's that a uh, bit in the first game where you can get the wolves to pee on the box so that like the next time you go through that area they won't attack you because you smell like wolf pee or whatever mm. i've played that game probably 30 times and i didn't know that yeah <laughs> if you uh if you like try and punch meryl she'll knock you out and then you have to like quickly put the box on so that when the wolves come over they'll just pee on it instead of attacking you so this is interesting to me because it, excuse me this is interesting to me because i i assuming that the the premise of survival mechanics and the open world and we're dropping you in this and it's up to you to kind of make your way and you're going to have to sort out all of these things that are going to go wrong for you food cold medical conditions etc considering like taking it as the premise of all those things is we want something that feels uh sort of rugged and tough mm-hmm. and like it's happening and it's quite urgent and it's stressful and tense and whatever I actually felt all of those things, all of those adjectives I've just used, more acutely playing Metal Gear Solid 1 than playing Metal Gear Solid Survive or playing any of its kind of, you know, genre cousins. Yeah. You know, I I felt more tense playing Metal Gear Solid 1. I felt more frightened. I felt more cornered. I felt more stressed. I had like a, I think, a, a, a more sort of pressing sense of, vulnerability and snake as like a human body as opposed to Metal Gear Solid Survive and I think it's because in Metal Gear Solid 1 all of those things that list of adjectives that sense of oppression that kind of atmosphere that you're up against it that you're alone you're isolated you're etc etc all of those things are expressed I think aesthetically or through music or through words or through um the, the way that your characters describe how they're feeling whereas in Metal Gear Survive you've got this mute protagonist and this goes for games C- like Daisy customizable music too <laughs> yeah right put, and it go- put on your own track it, go- it goes for things like Daisy it goes for things like um, several survival games basically the way that they're telling you that you're you're in trouble sort of emotionally or physically is with words and with pop-ups and with really sort of dispassionate information feeds you know well, it was so yeah. like yeah. i don't think it's either or though well i think there is a portion of like the sort of like whenever we talk about like survival horror games or whatever there's like the ambiguity of your character's current state in a lot of games like where you are 
in their story arc or like certain things you're doing are sort of being invisibly checked off and if all that stuff was like on meters that were like popping up constantly and you had to like and if in like silent hill 2 there was like a it was tracking everything you did for you on screen at all times towards like a given ending or like james's <laughs> mental health meter or something like that sort of removes like that unease and that just the the unknown factor that makes those games compelling because you're never you're always on the wrong foot and i think mm. parsing that stuff out metal gear survive has this sort of like really absurd like hunger and uh, thirst mechanics that you're just sort of constantly topping off your intake like a gas in a car <laughs> yeah. or something yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. really and like the, the yeah it's numbers it's is. like these it's like thousands these well, percentages and numbers it's just it, stupid it reminds me of like deadly premonition when you know your hunger bar is at <laughs> yeah. nothing and you just eat like a, a lollipop and it <laughs> refills completely <laughs> and you do that maybe like every three days and yeah. you're fine and yeah, um, my, in survive it's like yeah. every couple of minutes you're like oh i gotta pop a pop did a clean ever, water or something did you ever play the that game potato sos the final escape otherwise known as disaster report and it was this uh, earthquake no. survival game and one of the mechanics there was you had like dehydration because you want to be trapped in the city and it's hard to find water and yeah you'd drink like two liters of water walk 15 <laughs> meters and like the bar would have depleted <laughs> so he needs like another sip of water and it's just it's because it's he vomits right after yeah <laughs> just like he hasn't drank any water in a day he's the sweat drinks two liters in the world and it <laughs> to me not only are, do they do they have kind of no synchrony or like analog with with how you would actually, you know, the, the, again, like the, the theme of these games is what would it actually be like? You know, it's realism, yeah. it's authenticity. And not only do they have no analog with anything, you know, re an authentic survival situation, they also always feel to me it's just like, I don't know, um, status effects in a fantasy game, but yeah. with a different word. It's just like <clears throat> poison, confusion. Well, it's, know, just, yeah, it's just busy work that is supposed to, like, I guess conjure up something larger, but it, yeah, it usually just feels like managing like a spreadsheet or something. I. But th this is this is the thing though about like why I won't as much as I generally don't like this stuff at all. I don't think it's you can just say it's all sucks. You know, this whole style is is bad. It shouldn't be used because no, I think no, that's true. No, no like I'm and I'm thinking of stuff like. You know what what Ed's saying about in the first Metal Gear, you you feel more a sense of of you know isolation and and sort of vulnerability, and, and same with you know Silent Hill and with the fog and um, I don't know those other games. I'm not going to start trying to think <laughs> of games to name and go down that path, but uh, it, it is you know the aesthetics of it, and that's just the most like catch-all <laughs> sort of like it's kind of lazy excuse yeah. but it really it really is like you know something that the long dark works because uh you feel the cold you know you feel the the sense of being alone i think the thing that's really difficult is a lot, a lot of the stuff in games seems to be like well this works here yeah let's just throw it onto this <laughs> and it's like 
I don't know. Think about how many games where you shoot a gun, and it's like, well, maybe do you need to be shooting a gun? There's nothing wrong with shooting a gun, but like, let's not start from there for everything and then well, figure right. out how you, to cram the rest of make, it toward it. It just becomes like you want to make a shooter or you want to make a survival game, and you just want to make yeah. a version of those mechanics that have already been employed elsewhere, and you sort of don't do anything with them. You just make another one. Yeah, and that's when I think you get the stuff where it's just, like, your characters are just these, like, whiny little robot babies who need maintenance and <laughs> and everything, like, all the time. Like, Survive definitely feels like that. For the first hour or two um, when you're playing, or the first couple hours maybe, there is more of a sense of, you know, I need to build this base. I'm alone out here, and uh-huh. I'm dying very quickly. And... Even though, like, I also didn't really give a shit because I did not care about this character whatsoever. Because right. it was my dude was just like completely disposable, um, non-anti-character. Well, he was, but like, not to sidetrack us, but the main character in Survive was quite literally disposable in Metal Gear Solid Five, <laughs> because that's a game where Which you're is... like raiding and <laughs> comparing people that will best fit on your base and this is mm. i guess ostensibly one of those people mm. yeah which is fine and actually probably something you could make super interesting yeah if you were willing to engage with it but this game it's it's you know no, you just become here's like just this hero. guy who yeah. yeah this person who just like makes a shocked face when there's action scenes going around <laughs> and the other characters are like actually saying like oh my god and your character's just like <gasps> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. um but for the first little bit you do feel like oh i need to establish something here uh, i need to build a campfire so i can not vom every time i drink some water um but then you you do that and then it's just the thing where oh okay now i have to go to this place and get wood and iron so i can make this gun or bullets or arrows or whatever and it just becomes this thing where there's no purpose to it anymore yeah um anyway and it, it just feels like well we're just slapping this on here and probably with the hopes that people will feel like a compulsive need to keep playing this thing forever yeah i mean the, <laughs> and maybe give us some more money those mechanics tend to i think become their own justification and you just mm-hmm. get lost in sort of the endless loop of like building things so that you can upgrade your health so that you can get like a better medical desk so that you can increase your health it just becomes like a it a loop of like not like playing the game because it's like interesting and compelling but playing the game to just bump those numbers up and like I don't know. The base stuff in this game ends up feeling like that to me. That's that's my other kind of like X Files lone gunman paranoid conspiracy theory about survival mechanics is that <clears throat> you know, it, it, it Reed, you were talking about loot and the idea of loot becoming maybe a little sort of uneasy and a bit sort of I, I think like gamers are attuned now to the idea of you know, being kept in cycles of collecting items and being um, sort of tied to a game just by endless sort of fetch and retention quests. And I, I sometimes feel like the survival stuff is exactly the same kind of layout, but because it's 
it's with instead of you know gold pieces it's like water because of diamonds it's wood it, it, yeah. you're playing it thinking mm-hmm. ah this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't just some fantasy novel video game honey trap ftp bullshit <laughs> this is real life you know this is this is genuine i'm i'm getting like a really sort of one one to one survival experience here but it's it's exactly the same premise it's exactly the same structure it just it fe- those words and those like images make it feel more genuine and more and more true but it's still the same well that's what that's like the the destiny thing right where when it came out it was every gun will be so distinctive and incredible that you're gonna want which you know turned out to not be the case i don't think well maybe to a limited extent whatever who cares um but the idea was like you know this isn't your this isn't your fucking nerdy diablo you know you're not picking up a new belt yeah like you're mm. you're picking up a new rocket launcher like, you know? the meaningful um, choices for the players. yeah these are these are all super meaningful and, <laughs> and and it just becomes my my thing has always been ever since oh, i think yeah, you know diablo 2 or something which i messed around with and i think borderlands was the first one that like i bought and really played mm-hmm. that first one and at a certain point i was just like well, i don't want to do this like i finished the story and i was just like this you know this sucks why would i keep doing this yeah. i i can i've always had the mentality that like if i can finish a game <laughs> like if i know that i should be able to keep going i'm not going to get into the loop of like i need this shit to be the best you know, yeah. I need this to. I need the numbers to go as high as I can get them in this framework. Well, the, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, but I mean, all I was gonna say about this stuff is it's just like this. I think it's. I think it's survival and crafting and loot stuff all kind of rolls together into this. It's like, I don't know. It's like flashing the word sex on the beginning of a tv show and then being like now you're gonna watch it <laughs> it's just like the most just it, it can be good you know it, you can make compelling stuff out of things that are really sort of instinctual but i feel like this is just the game version of all of these systems are just the game version the, of like sex now i've got your attention the, the person who first kind of alerted to me that this to me it was eric twice and he he wrote an article about this war of mine uh, which is a survival-esque game set during well, set during the the uh, Yugoslav wars in the early to mid nineties. Um, his point, and I, I, when he said it, it was like, Jesus Christ, how did I never see that before? Uh, was that it played exactly like you know, pick one of these zombie survival games. Except instead of zombie, they've crossed out you know zombie and put. Uh, Serbian soldier instead of infection they've put starvation and he he found the game sort of exploitative and, and narrow and, and kind of dull because all that they've done is taken these these existing sort of survival f- fantasy games and recast them in the world of the Yugoslav Wars and what you were just saying Reed about how you know it's, it's the equivalent of flashing sex on screen and then, and then you sit and watch I think to me the, the 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 survival game genre it it's a real sort of double header you know that the promise of it is really engaging because it's we're going to give you two things we're going to give you the the illusion that you're really as i keep saying throughout this podcast getting an authentic and grounded and true to life and sort of very very similar experience 
but within the sort of comfortable confines of familiar video game mechanics, mm. within the things that you're used to. Now, does that sound too bad? No, not necessarily. You know, if you if you can actually give somebody that that true to life or that sort of novelistic almost experience via game mechanics that they're accustomed to, to the point where it feels sort of seamless, congratulations. You know, that, that sounds like a really an interesting piece of work. But but so far, what I find is that familiar and rote and traditional gameplay mechanics are really contrary to that lived in human authentic experience. I don't get that. And I, I certainly didn't get it from this war of mine. And uh, at least not after I've read that article by Eric twice. And I, I didn't get it from Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, I think that the my experience with these types of games, and certainly I think Metal Gear Survive is sort of shameless about this, is that it always feels like you're just doing a bunch of things to get to the point where you can refill whatever meter or need that your character has at the moment so that you can go do more of those things. It's just sort of like a... Even a game like The Long Dark, I remember playing it and like... You sort of go through a lot of trouble in that game to do very basic tasks. Then when you do the task, it's like it fills up your heat meter or whatever. Like, you're not freezing anymore. But the way they communicate that just always feels so, like, deflating, I guess. Like, you're, it's just constantly reminding you of how empty and, like, um, numbers-based all these interactions are. Uh, I guess it depends... For me, then, too, on there being like an endpoint mm-hmm. to to these things, and maybe that's a more definite way of of talking about the idea of like an aesthetic justifies these or not. Yeah, I, I remember liking this war of mine a decent amount, um, although I do definitely see the side that's saying you know this is exploitative and blah blah blah. I thought it was more of sorry. Can we drop that article into the footnotes of the show? if I find it. Yeah, but then do I have to, like, link my review of this war of mine so Ooh. that can both sides it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I have to, like, look at what this article was and, you know, it's probably from, like, four years ago and see if I still stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> this is our show. Yeah. It's patron-funded. We don't... Yeah. Um, so... I think for these things it it depends like I, I I think something like The Long Dark I played a decent amount of it mm-hmm. just because I was curious um, and I think that game just looks really nice and then they said they were adding a story mode so I decided to wait for that because I think the idea of these things when again if they're like deployed to some purpose even if it's because yeah. I totally sympathize with Astrid what you're saying about you know, okay, your character's warm now. Now it's time to, like, get them some new pants because these ones are now, you know, their quality rating is 14% and it should be 90-something plus. And it's just like, yeah, you're just doing this shit. It's like, I don't know, buying groceries for yourself over and over and you're like, oh, I yeah. forgot this. Um, But I think that's fine if it's something that's that's headed towards something that's saying you know you gotta stay alive till this happens you gotta do this you gotta do that i think this war of mine works in a sense because it's like 
it's almost like human misery tetris where it's just how long can you do this until this situation just eats all of you alive Mm -hmm. and um and it's not the yugoslav wars it's just um like generalized and i think this is actually probably a smarter choice for this game it's just this generalized um balkan conflict at some point in time Mm -hmm. you know sometime post uh post-war and so it's it's this like this sort of thing just being like look at this this misery based on on real life and i think it works more in that sense of just saying anyway whatever i'm not going to go to bat for that game in a huge (laughs) way because it's it's been so long um but yeah i don't know there there are ways to to do this stuff and this is far afield metal gear survive is not one of the games that no i actually have any idea of how to do it there's a i think darkest dungeon is a really good example of it's not a survival game per se but it is like extremely numbers heavy and like stats and upgrading and that stuff i think that game is really good at making that stuff feel meaningful insofar as it like helps you further yourself to a very clear goal and like they do a good job of like there are a lot of things to manage with every person on your little raiding party but they usually all feel like not worthwhile it it seems so crass to like put these things in terms of like well is it worth my time and stuff but there's a degree to which certain games feel pointless and other ones feel like they sort of nail that compelling nature if they need to and i think Mm. darkest dungeon is good at being like a really complicated game that doesn't feel just deadening or like emotionless i I totally agree i I had that experience with that game another one that has a sort of survival-ish element is and it really it worked for me was dead rising 2 where periodically you've got to go out and try and find this medicine for your daughter and if you don't get her this medicine she's going to turn into a zombie and it was just the sort of right side of not taking itself too seriously but still Uh with this quite you know there's there's some sort of you could sort of interpret that and kind of squint your brain and think of you know there's there's a there's a little satire there there's a little sort of reference to reality there and the the relationship between the father and the daughter was quite good you know you you wanted her to be alive you kind of liked having your daughter around so when you got the sort of little warning of it's no but seriously no it was she was quite sweet and their their conversations were always like quite entertaining and you you really felt that this dad like cared about his daughter and the yeah the little sort of quests where it was like you know time to go and get her her medicine they felt pressing because you you sometimes wondered now am i going to find it this time yeah and that was a a, you know it's a survival element but it was it was one of the only survival elements in the game i mean you could eat to sort of restore health and you could craft weapons if you wanted but it wasn't imperative and it wasn't sort of i hate i I don't like this word because i think it's overused but Never mind. It wasn't sort of fetishized. It wasn't necessarily a game. Well, no, actually, no. That was a game that was no. That was a game that was marketed on. Look, all the crazy weapons you could make. So I'll take that back. <laughs> but the, the, the stuff with the daughter, I, 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 I was sold on it. So I, yeah, it, I, it's possible. I, I think it's possible to make this stuff yeah, happen. I, and I just want to point out that like I do find <laughs> these types of mechanics in survival horror games like extremely compelling. Like um managing uh, Fiona's p- 
satanic level and haunting ground and her like relationship with the dog and then mm. silent hill 2 or like fatal frame 3 they have these sort of like uh repetitive tasks that you have to like constantly well obviously constantly because i said repetitive but things that you always have to do to keep your character in like a state where they can be adequately controlled in some cases like if you don't do these things then you just can't control the character or they'll die and stuff like that i think maybe i'm just more susceptible to the horror genre in general Mm. which is maybe my bias as a video game critic but i think they're just it's always been a fixture of that genre is like managing all these different things well and managing emotions is maybe like it it forces yeah some level of like narrative context right and maybe that's an undertapped uh i mean darkest dungeon is good about that too which is like you're trying to keep these people obviously it's a meter or it's something the game is tracking behind the scenes but the way it's presented to you is like a psychological impact on them (laughs) that game is hilarious in the sense of just like i don't know I, you don't, I don't think you feel a ton of compassion for those characters. No, you end it's up becoming like sort of like a, a monstrous just like, like boss or something. You're, well, you're like fucking like McNamara doing the stats on like soldiers <laughs> in, in World War II and <laughs> Vietnam. Get the best return on, the best ROI on human life. Um, uh, God, what was I going to say? Yeah, and I think... I'll, a lot of this stuff feels like, and, and I'll say the same thing too for, I was thinking this at the beginning of the episode, is that just because there's a lot of, I think, sort of shitty and kind of robotic uses of, of survival stuff yeah. in the biggest, broadest term, uh, games also have the habit of being like, this thing is a big trend, everyone got sick of it, you know, everyone loved it, everyone yeah. got sick of it, and then it went away, and lessons were not learned in ways that are really well known maybe they were learned in very subtle ways but i think this stuff is all stuff that should be maybe like thought of as a step on the road to something where i think about when you when you talk about survival stuff is like managing these spreadsheets that are managing hunger and thirst and you know even emotions and everything and so much of games is a process of like hiding the code underneath yeah. everything right and trying to like well depending on what you look for in a game some people love just like messing around with systems um i don't think any of us are really on that side of of things but you know a, a lot of game stuff is when you think about combat in a game you know even if it's not surfacing it there's points you know there's number values that are being affected right. and all of these million little things but hopefully you don't have to think about it if it's not surfaced and maybe there are ways to (laughs) this is so wishy-washy but maybe there are ways to employ these things in a less like mechanical cold robotic way where you still have the ideas of hunger and thirst and having to build things and but they're just not like so in your face yeah uh, did you either of you play that i think it was a ubisoft game called i am alive Mm-hmm. i, I never a little bit played it. it but i felt like it was a, sort of a precursor to like 
the sort of crafting and survival that's in The Last of Us, maybe. Where you're, yeah, like, was. scavenging and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know how successful it was. <laughs> it's not a very good game, I Am Alive. But um, I had a few little neat moments. Um, the, the two that I come back to when it comes to... You know, what you're saying, Reed, is that there's this kind of process of making this stuff work and, and imparting to the player this sense of survival is, is incomplete and it's a shame that games have kind of settled into these genre conventions now so this is how the survival game works we give you information in a sort of transmitted and uh, dispassionate and informative way I go back to one is Lone Survivor where the way that Ooh. you know whether your character mm -hmm. is hungry is he actually says it and that just makes a difference to me if your character sort of hold his stomach and say, ah, oh God, I feel like shit, or I'm hungry, or I feel ill. Um, because it, it just, it, 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 bars and meters and menus always feel like a barrier between me and the game world, or like a sort of a level of artifice, a buffer between me and my character. And if the idea of like survival games is to, is to lower that, that gate and to, to, or to make it less visible somehow and to make me feel more kind of involved with what's going on, Having him just talk had that effect. And the other one is a PlayStation 2 game, um, The Getaway, from 2002. And I don't know how successful that was internationally. But in that That game, thing was around. Yeah, okay. So it's a, it's it was made by Team... They were Team Soho then, and then they became Team Bondi, who made Alien 1. It's this kind of cockney shooter. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He had... He had lock stock and PlayStation 2 smoking barrels. Huh? <laughs> totally. That is what it should have been called. You're absolutely that's right. What, that's what it was released as, actually, in North America. <laughs> and the way that health works in that game, there was no screen furniture at all. There were no bars on screen. And when you got wounded, you kind of progressively sort of leaned over and he sort of clutched his side and got, like, mm. blood stains on his clothes and stuff. And to heal yourself you'd walk up to a wall and just stand still and he'd like put and eventually he'd like rest his arm on the wall and just sort of stand there and go like uh, uh, and take a breath now it was ridiculous because like you get shot in the head and then he's gone <laughs> lean on the wall and like you know breathe in for a few minutes and then you'd be fine but it felt like a, a kind of stepping stone towards something like less dispassionate and, and more yeah. you know sort of physical and tangible and tractable and, and I don't know um, and I wish that yeah w w I'd like to see that line of thought maybe pursued a little further yeah they do well, that, and it's well sorry <laughs> no sorry Astrid I feel like um, the naughty dog model is sort of a, a riff on that where the character the third person character is sort of very responsive to the environment and things that happen to them and that was taken to an extreme obviously in the Tomb Raider reboots and it's like this focus on the physicality of the character which may or may not correspond to something that you have to do as a player like when Nathan Drake is like um, sort of leaning against a like a piece of rock as he like clambers up it it's just like an animation thing that he's like uh, pushing himself along this or he's like climbing up that and um it's not necessarily like you as a player are doing that but it sort of strengthens the illusion that he's like a body 
and that he um, reacts to the environment in ways that aren't like press X to climb this. Mm. Yeah, I. It's sort of just like I think shading kind of... in a picture, I guess. It just becomes more detailed. Yeah, I think that kind of stuff goes a long way. You know, when you have the old, like Resident Evil did it as well with when your health is low, it's not just, oh, this this number is down. You know, they already abstract it with the um, EKG yeah. thing that <laughs> gets gradually like yellow and red, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which makes it a little bit less clinical Mm. which is (laughs) ironic because it's a very clinical thing but you know they uh, i think in my head i'm picturing i don't so i don't know if this is just like in the remake but you know jill is like holding her stomach Mm. and limping when she's uh really close to kicking the bucket and just things that are affected in that way yeah and even the metro thing so much of that kind of stuff is goes on through metro and the change with regenerating health and shooters i think was part of this as well to to move away from having everything be so i don't know graceless maybe where it's still like the getaway ridiculous you know that an enemy can run up and if you're on easy or something they can just like shoot you in the face and if you lie down behind a rock for <laughs> 20 seconds you're like you're good to go but it's still less absurd i think in a lot of ways and being like oh my health is at four i better go run over to that med kit yeah. lying on the battlefield anyway games huh yeah those games those crazy lazy games <laughs> um I, I felt like I had another point to make, and it's it's left me, and I felt like it was bordering upon salient, and no, it's gone forever. Sorry to tease, but no. That sounds. I've lost it. It sounds like a very video game kind of thing too, is to have a point that's, that's salient, bordering on salient, <laughs> bordering and then. And then misplace it. I, I I know what it was, and it wasn't salient at all. It was needless trivia. <laughs> it was the opposite of salient. It was nitpicking. Uh, I was just going to say that in the original Resident Evil from 1996, they didn't change their animations when they were wounded. That was only added in Resident Evil 2. That was it. Well, so that's that was not that's why the uh, that's why the remake is superior. It's good. Yeah, superior in yeah. every way, except it's not. It's not at all. Not even, not even two different games. Um, so what what great justice we've done to uh, a podcast episode of Metal Gear Survive yeah. where we started out talking about the game very specifically and then just kind of like <laughs> fell into cynicism well, I mean we could have I'm not cynical about the survival stuff like I was saying I think it's there's a way in and it it's worked for me in the past uh, mm-hmm. It's just that the I think the model that's set in needs to be kind of questioned, and I, I wish it hadn't set in quite so entirely. Yeah, I think I was being more cynical about games oh, as right, a whole, generally. Yeah, which oh, yeah, is well, that's fine. That's, well, yeah, that's us. That's... <laughs> but yeah, I want to. I don't know. I want to deny that impulse too often well yeah, go and watch just... that video that they made 
Yeah, you need to <laughs> you need to understand that the beauty of games is yeah. everywhere around us. If you got a bow and arrow, it's not just violence. Things. Yeah, it's look also at, trees. Look at, the, look at these trees. Skies. Uh, weather. Wow. Uh, sunsets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Which I think uh, nature. I think uh, also a friend of the show, David Rudin, pointed out. I'm actually not sure if that's how you pronounce his last name or not. Yeah, it is. Good. I don't know. He's lives in Montreal, so it could be. <laughs> Listen, as an Anglo-Canadian, I have to be very sensitive <laughs> to games. Are so they're so nature positive. They're so look how beautiful nature is. Look how pristine yeah, and perfect true. nature is. I'd look, this is why, and I, this is not flippancy, this is this is not me doing some sort of annoying white wine pseudo-intellectual ironic <laughs> joke. This is, I, I'd actually really like the Werner Herzog game, because his films are all about how brutalistic nature is, and how, and how nature is like no better, or like no more moral than humanity. Yeah. Tokyo Jungle. Yeah. <laughs> to- Werner oh, Herzog yeah. presents <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> Jungle 2. Yeah. Bad lieutenant. As, yeah. as you can see here in this battle between a corgi and a giraffe, <laughs> nature is at its most brutal. Yeah, I do think that humanity has gone. <laughs> survival far. games should probably be more mean. Like Tokyo Jungle. I yeah, I mean the the thing about Metal Gear Survive is that it's always like about just getting more things and like accumulating and consuming. As opposed to like really battling with any elements, it's just about like prioritizing like the thing you need to build, or like whether or not you're about to die of hunger. Can you like make it over there and grab that thing first? Like, mm. it's sort of a extremely abstracted version of survival. I think if anything about Metal Gear Survive appeals to you, other than you know Metal Gear Solid phantom pain controls and all of that <laughs> should play the forest which i i yeah. last played that i think I, I wrote about it when it was you know uh, a few months or pretty soon after it like went started in early access so yeah. i'm sure it's very different yeah now. i remember playing it really early but that game was like if you want a game that's trying to simulate sort of being in this kind of hellish environment where you're just like trying to not die uh, and you feel very frightened. That game was like, okay, you know, tend to your wounds because you just crashed in a plane. Um, you know, find some water to drink and then build something to hide in because these people are, these like monster people are going to come and try to murder you as soon as they see you. And it was just like this constant thing of, no, you're not just going to die from being hungry and tired. You're going to die because these people are going to come and like rip you apart. <laughs> Which, aside from some like super weird thematic uh, overtones about crashing to the jungle, and oh yeah, I feel like that's a game where uh, I distinctly remember them talking about uh, Cannibal Holocaust before yeah. they had released it. So that's why I was very interested to see what they came up with. They didn't. Oh yeah, Cannibal didn't. Holocaust with no context. They didn't. <laughs> Sounds... They didn't come up with Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> This kind of a holocaust is, I don't know, it makes you feel something. <laughs> and, and the forest <laughs> didn't make you feel, well, not as strongly as kind of a holocaust anyway. And that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing because kind of a holocaust is kind of a shitty, trashy, horrible little film from time to time. 
Yeah, they, uh, they maybe push it a little far with some of that it's stuff. But the real on-screen animal murders yes. in Cannibal Holocaust uh, are, are not good. They're not good. Um, but it does make you wonder, you know, who are the who are the, who real, are the real cannibals? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It might be the people who killed a monkey on screen, but <laughs> I go. It's probably it's hard them. to tell. Yeah, it's yeah. probably those who made money off it. <laughs> that's the that's the annoying thing about that film is that that question that what's his name again? Uh, Rudorigo, uh, De- Italian, Diodato. Dear Dato, thank you. That that he tries to use to justify the film just. You don't yeah. need a whole film to just pose that question. Just put it on the <laughs> screen in like letters. Who are the real savages? Like us or other people? <laughs> the end. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of the end, that brings us to the end of our discussion on Metal Gear Survive and Survive games and, and games. Cannibal Holocaust. And Cannibal Holocaust. Which I, 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 if you want to spend like 50 hours playing Metal Gear Survive or 90 minutes feeling sick, I <laughs> go with the feeling sick and go and watch Cannibal Holocaust because it's got some really really good bits. Someone gets his dick cut off, and the music's really good. Music incredible. Oh, That's is it like, Goblin? No, no, it's, it's not uh, Goblin. What's his name? Yeah, it's, it's he did a lot of that Riz, stuff. Riz, Riz Ortolani. Yeah. Ortolani. That's it. Yeah. He uh he really it's like fifty percent of the movie is that that specific track that plays. It's just gut churning. <laughs> Yeah, the theme tune to Cannibal Holocaust is, is just wonderful. I The theme tune to Cannibal Holocaust, I'd like to have it played at my funeral because it sounds sort of, kind of quasi-religious and quite sort of serene and, and sentimental. And I like the idea that no one in the audience would know. In the audience, do you have an audience at a funeral? Uh, would know that it's from Cannibal yeah. Holocaust. As they just like lower it's going to be live-streamed on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, if you enjoyed this show, you can go to bullypointsmonthly.com to read articles on Metal Gear Survive, as well as other games, including Wolfenstein 2, Metro, and Ghost Recon Wildlands. And if you like the show and the website, you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullypoints to donate some money to our little operation. I would like to say a large thank you to everyone who currently donates to the bullet points patreon because you help us to keep this going and we quite like doing it don't we everyone yeah <laughs> wow yeah no oh, no we do of just, course just gotta just gotta take my headphones off there because of the volume of that enthusiasm oh god <laughs> oh, tinnitus oh no dude i i love i love doing this this thing uh, when it, whenever there aren't like headaches with just keeping things going, mm. it's it's very fun to write the articles and edit the articles and talk on the podcast and <laughs> all those different <laughs> actions that we take as uh, write the, editors. Yeah, write the show notes, <laughs> uh, email people, answer emails, post it to SoundCloud. All, all really <laughs> set the SoundCloud from private to public. <laughs> tweet it, tweet it again. Did go log into the other one. Ah, <laughs> tweet tweet you know there was one. I want to mention this before we before we close out. There's actually a game that's not a survival game, but it does a, I think a really incredible job of uh, melding like survival-esque mechanics as far as like you're in a space that is like very defined and you can do things to like occupy your time and keep yourself healthy is uh 
with those we love alive by porpentine mm. i think does a really good job of setting you in a place and there's like a set number of actions you can take and they all feel like they are getting you somewhere and there is sort of like a not crafting but like you can sort of build things uh, it's a text game it's in twine so uh no shooting but it is i think a really good simulation and it's also a story and it's just a really interesting maybe riff on some of these ideas what was the name again so with those we love alive with those we love alive yes and when and when you say no shooting astrid do you mean like are there bows and arrows or (laughs) it doesn't count if it's a bow and arrow can you punch anyone actually i think you might be using hormones during the game so you're shooting up with hormones so yeah i haven't played that one though no you haven't i thought you had no oh it's really good uh, i don't know what how i I think it's even i love the name of that one howling dogs i think it's like one of her, Hmm. her best games I would go. Mm. I would go with Dark Souls, which isn't a conventional survival game, but has Ooh, that yeah. has that deep atmosphere of you know you're up against the elements and it's just you and you're isolated. And yeah, play Dark Souls, but play it offline. If you play Dark Souls online, you're a you're a mug. It's meant to be <laughs> offline. Why? You're meant to be on your own. You're meant to feel trapped. No, it's the, not. Yeah, it is. It's, you're meant to play what they no, what they <laughs> ruins it. You're meant to be just. You're the one, and it's like a religious pilgrimage, and and it's epochal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it ruins that sort of epochal, biblical tone if okay. there's like this eight of like, you running around. Anyway, this is like when someone but, tells you you have to listen to the album on vinyl with like headphones from like if, a tube amp. Like, <laughs> if you're yeah. gonna listen to Dark <laughs> yeah. Side of the Moon, watch Wizard of Oz <laughs> at the same time, right? That's how you do it. I was it. gonna say like, uh, if you watch Star Wars, you need to watch it in the actual yeah, big order screen. yes big screen or bus actual order that's how you do it oh, i'd also you, i'd also yeah. go for uh, alien isolation because i think that also has that oh uh, my god yeah. i'm really really Damn up against it. it vibe these are all good good suggestions these are and good the, yeah in the last three minutes of the podcast uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the positivity so if comes you through so if you haven't heard of dark souls uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> it's dark Souls. How are you, uh, how are you spelling that, Reed? <laughs> uh, uh, dark. That's with a D, uh, an A, an R, and a K. Yeah. A K. No, no funny business. And Souls. No Z. It's uh, with an S <laughs> at the end. Brilliant. Okay, that's dark. Let me just get that down. Souls. Lovely. And that's on the PlayStation. Oh, it's uh, it's on everything. It's a PlayStation, Xbox, uh, personal computer. Uh-huh. I I think I believe it's being remastered. Um, Thank you from Software for the sponsorship. Uh. <laughs> Rightio, that's us for another episode. I think our next episode is—is is it secret? No, it's not really secret, is it? This is a prize it's, episode. It's, it's a treat episode. Is it decided no, no, it's, on? I don't even. <laughs> yeah, don't say anything because okay, it's okay. What are we doing next a lot of month? Though, like, what's our next next potential? next month? Well, <laughs> what if we get screwed? By yeah, well, that's that's yeah. also kind of still up in the air. Okay. You know, we're still waiting for that particular ball to land. We'll be uh, back with something. There will be further coverage of video games on bullet points, is what I can <laughs> promise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so until then, I am Ed Smith. Reed, you're Reed McCarter. You are, aren't you? 
Yeah, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, Don't the, worry. The, the only, the, the most important one is to go and follow the show at Bullet Points VG. Yeah. And uh, you'll see us knocking around there, including Astrid. Yeah? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. We should, do we put our handles in the show notes and stuff? Because let's do that. I, yeah. I, I feel like everyone who is listening probably follows us on the Twitter service already. Well, if they're not, they shouldn't be listening. Yeah, quite. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, you hear that, Grandma? (laughs) (laughs) Modernize. If you're not taking in our content wherever it appears, then you're not having any. Then you're nobody. (laughs) Okay, so until next time, I hope everyone survives. Uh, That's it. That's my closing joke. Goodbye.